0: Well, hey there, and welcome to the Saints Church Glory Hills podcast. We're so happy that you joined us today. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, we believe that God will speak to you through one of our pastors today. Let's jump in. We're going to start today reading out of Matthew chapter 1. And if if you wouldn't mind, and don't hate me for this, Um, Would you stand just for a minute for the reading of the word? We don't do this that often in church anymore. But, um, you know, we're coming into the Christmas season and there is this beautiful opportunity to just honor the word of God and honor our King Jesus. And so we're going to read out of Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, and says this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Incredible. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So, Father, we just thank you right now as we take some time this morning to dive deeper into your word. We just thank you. We thank you that you are with us. We thank you that you sent your son, that we get to celebrate in this season and we get to honor you for the, for the sacrifice that you made in sending your son so that you could be with us. And so we thank you for your word. We're gonna choose to take you at your word today and we honor you and we glorify you and we magnify you this is your space, this is your place, Father. Do with it what you will. In Jesus' name. Amen. And you can be seated. Thank you for, for doing that and not hating me for it. Um, I'm gonna start by just sharing a, a, a little uh story with you. Um, and actually there is a yes, thank you, Sienna. You know, wonder what this is. Um So a few years ago, Brett went on a trip. I actually think it might have been a trip to Slovenia, but I can't remember. And he was gone for a longer period of time than he normally goes, um, which I can't say that I like that much, but it's okay. Um, And while he was gone, I sort of stole one of his sweaters because I just wanted to wear it. It's sentimental that way. And uh, I, I happened to steal this sweater. You see that? It says, hope will never die. This is from Oilers Nation. This is an Oilers sweater. I could have worn it this morning, but then I, I think you would have thought I was a bit of a slob, so I didn't wear it. But um, why am I showing you that? Um, Hope will never die. This, is, this, is, this was a product launch that they did a number of years ago, about eight years ago. And, uh, and Brett never got that back, by the way. Um, and so when I was preparing for this message, this thought came to me. And so I, I, I looked up this whole product launch, this hope will never die. Where did this come from? Why did they do this? And um, I found this article from eight years ago. Um, for this Hope Will Never Die product launch. You'll see where I'm going in a second. It says, Tonight is the night you've been waiting for since Bill Daly flipped that golden lottery card with the Oilers logo on it. Does everybody remember that? Remember that? Tonight is the night we get the chance to watch Connor McDavid play his first game for the Edmonton Oilers and regain the sense of Oilers pride that may have been lost along the way. To say it's been a long wait would be the understatement of the century. We've all been through a lot. Oh, we've been through a lot, Oilers fans, over these past nine years. But miraculously, hope never died. We're an odd bunch, Oilers fans. For nearly a decade, we've been fed lines. We've watched our team get pummeled on a regular basis and spent countless hours arguing with each other about the problems facing the franchise. Despite it all, we're all still here. For some reason, Oilers fans have been able to maintain a hope that better days are coming, and tonight is hopefully the beginning of the end of those dark days. Now, eight years later, I don't, I don't know where we are on the end of those dark days because they've been taking us on a wild ride. And, but, but did you catch the inference in that article that there's now hope because of who is here, because who is with us? We have Connor McDavid now, there's hope. We have this guy, there's hope. So much hope was restored to Edmonton Oilers fans because of who was now with us. And hope is a, is a powerful thing. You, you watch it every time the Oilers are winning, you watch a hope go all right, the way up there and then they lose and it comes crashing down. It's a powerful thing. And you know the next day after a game, you know what happened at the game because everyone is either walking around with a big smile or they're walking around like this. And they're just depressed because the Oilers lost again. You can tell. When we have hope, we have this, we have this expectation that now something is going to happen right? That that there's a trust that's there that allows for the expectation. We trust this guy, this player. So now there's an expectation that the Oilers are going to win, right? There's there's this little jump in your step. There's a flicker of hope inside. And hope is a beautiful and uplifting and life-giving thing. And we walk and we talk and we act different when we have hope. You know. And it's funny because this past week as I was preparing for this message and just sort of sitting on this idea, um, you know, how many know that God orchestrates conversations and times and meetings and it's just this beautiful thing that sometimes you don't know in the moment but later you're like, oh. I had a conversation this last week with, with a friend of mine who's going through some stuff and just... You know, needed some counsel. And we were just talking, and, and she said this phrase that I could so identify with. <laughs> and maybe you can too. She said, Hope and I, we have a complicated relationship because hope will hurt you. Hope will hurt you. See, there's this inward sense for so many people based on past experiences and, and disappointments that, that, that hope will just lead to disappointment. I can't get my hope up because I don't want the crash. I can't have hope in something. I can't hope for something because I don't want to be disappointed. I don't want to get let down. I don't want to get hurt. And Proverbs thirteen 12 echoes this well. It says, hope Deferred makes the heart sick. That's an accurate statement because when you feel that hope is lost and there's no hope for a certain situation or a certain thing or a certain person, you just feel sick, right? You feel sick and and you feel tired and you feel frustrated and, and you feel let down and you feel defeated. Like it just takes you out. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, and it's in that defeated state, it's in that low state, that, that we actually often become fair game. We become easy prey for an enemy, the enemy of your soul, that prowls around like a roaring lion. He's always watching. He's always looking to see where you're at. And he's seeking opportunities to devour you. And sometimes we think that that's only in these big things. But but I would hazard to say that, that he is always watching for where you're at so that he can just sort of like do one little thing to sort of take you out. Just one little thought, one little idea, one disappointment, and I can take you out. Hope is actually so, so important. But we don't actually think about it. Or we don't want to think about it because we don't want to be disappointed. And I I found this, this other article. I'm all about the articles this time. Sorry. I found this article that talked about the importance of hope. And this is what it said. It said, hope reduces feelings of helplessness. It increases happiness. It reduces stress and improves our quality of life. It gives you reason to get out of bed every day improves your mental well-being, benefits your physical body, helps with the immune system as it reduces your levels of stress. It increases self-worth, self-belief, and your confidence, encourages you to take a positive action, encourages you to surround yourself with like-minded people, reduces sadness and anxiety, and creates opportunities. Hope is the thing that helps hold you up so that you can walk and be who God has made you to be. And it's not only beneficial, it's actually crucial. It, be, it, it actually has become an issue of life and death. All you have to do is look at the rising suicide rates to know that hopelessness is, is deadly. And that's why there is such a battle for your hope. Because there is an enemy who does not want you to live, does not want you to live, does not want you to walk in your God-given purpose, does not want you to step into the things he has for you, does not want you to, to raise your family to trust in the Lord, does not want there to be a generational line that follows Jesus. No, he just wants to take you out. But Jesus wants us to live full of hope. Full of hope. But the issue lies primarily in this. Our hope is often misplaced. We often place all of our in the same way that we do with McDavid, right? We place all of our hope in. Lord, forgive me for even saying this, Jesus, who some have dubbed him, which, no thank you, but, but he is the savior of the Oilers. We place all our hope in a person. We place all our hope in a situation. We place all our hope in an outcome. We place all our hope in a church. We place all our hope in a pastor. We place all our hope in all of these things. The problem is all of those things are imperfect, and therefore all of those things at one point or another, though they don't aren't necessarily trying to, will disappoint you. Romans five, two to five says this. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And oftentimes we read and we stop there, and we think, oh okay, so I'm in this place and I'm in this place of trial and going through stuff, and, and, but I'm supposed to remember that, that this is producing character and this is giving me endurance and this is, this is good for me. and, and But we, we leave out this next part. It says, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. I love that bold statement. This hope will not lead to disappointment. There is only one that you can put your hope in that actually will not lead to disappointment. And this is why I think that worship song this morning resonated so much with me. Because he says it. That's his word, but do I believe it? Do I believe that this hope will not disappoint, that he will not disappoint? Though everything else may lead to disappointment, he will not disappoint. There is only one in whom we can confidently place our hope, and he will not lead to disappointment. Later on in Romans, in in Romans 15, 13, it it says this. And, and I hope you'll walk with me on this because this just sort of opened everything up for me. It says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. That you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Wait, I thought I had to to dig up that hope. I thought I had to push myself to feel hope in a situation. I thought I had to, like, dig it out. No, 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 no. There is a God who is the source. And the cool thing is, is that if you look at the definition of source, it says a place, person, or thing from which something originates. Okay, so he's the originator. Then it says this a spring or fountainhead from which a river or stream issues. So God is our source. He is the originator. He is the point from which hope flows out into you. It flows out, which is why there can be an overflow in your life, why you can live in the overflow of hope, not because of what you have forced yourself to think or feel or tried to pull out of your own emotions. It comes out of the overflow of the source. God is the source of hope. He is the place from which hope originates. He is the spring or fountainhead of hope from which a river of hope flows from. Scripture says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to the source. And guess what's going to flow out of you? Without you even realizing it. Without you even having to work for it. It's not so much about a fight for hope as it is about drawing near to the source. And beautifully... As we read in Matthew chapter 1, to draw near is not hard because he is here. He is here. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Have you ever noticed in Scripture how often in, in, in every sort, from like Genesis all the way through, You continually, consistently hear God saying to his people, I'm with you. I'm with you. You're going to do this, but I am with you. Over and over and over and over again. To Isaac, he says, do not be afraid for I am with you. To Jacob, I am with you. To Moses, I will be with you. To Joshua, they will know that I am with you. To Gideon, I will be with you. To Israel, don't be afraid. I am with you. To Jeremiah, for I am with you. In Ezekiel, to the prophet, in this way they will know that I, the Lord their God, am with them. In Haggai, to the people, I am with you, says the Lord. There is a passionate emphasis of the Lord to us that we know that he is with us. He wants you to know he's with you to the extent that he then sends his son and what does he name him? God with us. He could have named him a whole lot of things. He could have chosen a whole... Like, how long did it take you to pick your kids' names? Did you have... Anyone else have a list? Like, there were a whole bunch of ideas and thoughts and things that that could have worked. But no... Our Heavenly Father chose to send the Son, named him Emmanuel, God with us, so that his people would know he's with us. Over and over and over, he reiterates, he's with us. And sometimes I think we just have to let that settle in for a minute. Oh, and then, to top it all off, before Jesus ascends to heaven... Our Emmanuel reiterates one more time in case we've missed it. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He wants you to know he's with you. He wants you to know he's with you how is that even possible, right? He's he's in heaven. He's here. Some people, you know, you you wonder, you question, how is he he here and there and everywhere? Well, first of all, God is God. He is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. And he is omnipresent, which means he is present everywhere at all times. That'll mess with your mind a little bit when you think about it too hard. One pastor said it like this, and I love it. He said, since I can't imagine a place where God isn't, I might as well imagine him with me. Just think about this for a second. Tell me one place where God is not, and then argue with me that he is not with you. He is everywhere. So we might as well just imagine And receive that he is here with us right now. And this is backed up in in Psalm 16.8. It says, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. He's right beside me. He's here. So hope is here. When I was when I was looking into the, all the hope will will never die all the merchandise, I saw this one one guy's post and he was wearing the merch. He had his he had his t shirt on hope will never die, and he was he was standing next to a wall, so he's sort of posed all cool with the wall behind him, and uh, and the wall said this. There there was a decal on the wall that said, "The world needs more Edmonton." Okay, I mean, I've lived here all my life, and sure, okay, whatever you say. Um, (laughs) But all I could think in that moment actually was, no, the world needs more Jesus. The world needs more Jesus. The world needs hope, a hope that will actually truly never die, because this source of hope actually defeated death. And if your hope has died, I would suggest that he can resurrect that too. And I think back to the line in that first article that I read at the beginning, and near the end it said, for some reason, Oilers fans have been able to maintain a hope that better days are coming, and tonight is hopefully the beginning of the end of those dark days. And all I can think is Isaiah 9, verse 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. A light will shine. Listen, we live in a world full of deep darkness. There are a lot of dark days. There are wars, rumors of wars, sickness, disease. Look, we went through a whole pandemic. There's natural disasters. There's financial struggles. There is relational pain and relational struggles, and everything feels very dark and very overwhelming, and you add social media to it, and you can't get away from it. It just feels sometimes like darkness everywhere. But the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So God, I'm going to take you at your word. There is a light that shines in the darkness, meaning right now there is a light that shines in the darkness. In the midst of everything that we're seeing in our world, there is a light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness can't actually extinguish it. And what the world needs is a church that is full of hope. Overflowing with hope. Full of hope that actually shines in that darkness. There is nothing more powerful than walking into a room where you can just sense the whole room is down. And walking in determined that I'm not going to join that. I'm going to speak words of hope. I'm going to bring encouragement. I'm going to bring light. I'm going to speak truth. Watch what happens in the room when one person does that. You have the potential to lift a room. You have the potential to lift a person. You have the potential to lift people in their circumstances just by walking with hope. And if I can reiterate and remind you of absolutely anything today, it's simply this, God is with you. He is right beside you. If you have to use your God-given imagination because that's where it came from, to see him sitting beside you, to see him with you, the source of hope is with you And so in whatever you are facing, whatever you are walking through, whatever this last season has held, no matter the struggle of this current season, the source of hope is right beside you. He's right beside you. And he wants to pour hope into you like a river. So that in everything you face, you walk with hope. And all around you will see that he is God, and he is good, and he is here, and he is hope. And those who trust in the Lord will not be disappointed. That is my got to be one of my favorite verses of all time. And I truthfully remember going through a season of, of hoping very much for something. and not knowing if, if God was going to come through on it or not, if this was from him or not, and having to wrestle every day, thinking, God, I don't know. I really I really would like to see this, but I don't know. And And this verse became alive to me. And every single day, every single time I worried about it, the thing that came out of my mouth was, no, those who trust in the Lord will not be disappointed. Listen, every time a thought comes, that is negative, that is opposite to the word, that is full of fear and worry and anxiety or shame or pain, the first thing you can do that I promise you will shift your mindset is to declare the word over it, to declare truth over it, to declare truth into it. I do this I'm just gonna share this. I didn't have this in my notes, but that's fine. Um, one of the things I do with my kids that I've taught my kids—they—they they went through a season where they would they would go to bed. Is usually in the night season. Interesting. Think about that night season. They would they would go to bed and and they would struggle and they would say, "Mommy, I had a bad thought. Like I had a scary thought, or I had a a bad." image or something pop into their minds. And, and we had to start working through the process. What does that look like? How do we defeat that thought? And so I very simply taught them this. And you can, you can I mean, it's silly, but you won't forget it. I promise. Um, it's this system called the stop, drop, and swap. Stop, drop, and swap. Okay? So stop. Scripture says take every thought captive. Right? So we're going to take that thought and we're going to stop it right there. We're not going to let it perpetuate. We're not going to spiral. We're not going to let it go downhill. We're going to stop it right there. We're going to take it captive and we're going to hold it up to the word and we're going to say, is this in alignment with God or not? And if it's not, we're going to drop it like a dirty diaper. That's actually the analogy I use because nobody wants to be holding on to that. You're going to drop it like a dirty diaper. But here's the thing. What I promise you will happen is if you don't exchange that thought for something stronger and greater, you're going to go pick that up. You are going to go back to that garbage and you are going to pick up that diaper, as stinky as it is, and you're going to continue to mull and worry and spiral if you don't exchange it. So the best thing you can do once you drop that thing is start declaring Scripture into and over it. Those who trust in the Lord will not be disappointed. Those, no, Lord, I'm not going to worry about this because those who trust in you will not be disappointed. It doesn't mean I'm going to get what I want, but what I know is that what you have is greater. So those who trust in you will not ultimately be disappointed. And watch what happens to your spirit when you do that the more consistently, the more you speak truth, the more you speak life, the more you watch how the Lord actually has his finger on every bit of your situation. And he's actually doing things that you maybe didn't see before because you were spiraling downward. But as soon as you start to lift your focus and trust in him, you start to see how his finger intertwines into everything. And he's got a plan and he's got a purpose. And it's for your good. And he will not disappoint you. Everyone else is going to fail you and disappoint you at one point or another. He will not. He will not. Hope is not just on the horizon. It's not just something out there. It's not something I need to just figure out how to feel or stir up myself to feel hopeful or put on a good face so that it looks like I have hope even if I don't. That's not what it is. Hope comes from the source out of an overflow from Him. And now as we move into words, Christmas? Could we just, could we just receive the fact that Emmanuel is here, that God is with us, that he is here, that he is right beside you? Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or are looking to get connected in any further way, head to saintschurch.ca and we would love to meet you.